So, welcome to the 20th episode of the Transportation Management Podcast. Today's topic is performance in enhancements. So, we will mainly focus on how to avoid the different trapdoors you might face when developing your own application enhancements. My name is Thomas Quintus. I'm Scrum Master in the Freight Auto Management Team. My name is Bert Dittrich. Uh, I'm, today I'm answering questions, not asking uh, them. And yeah, I'm working in Freight Auto Management. And my name is Patrick Hornig, and I'm working in Forwarding Auto Management Team. And Freight Auto Management. And Freight Auto Management <laughs> Team, part-time. Still, huh? Still. <laughs> okay. Okay. How to start? So. 10,000 feet. <laughs> What do you think? What is the biggest issue you've seen in SAP-specific implemented coding or in customer enhancements? In Oof, yeah, several uh, of them. I mean, yeah, we, we, I think we go through our list. Maybe first have a look at what we're going to talk today about, right? And then who's our audience? So today it's addressing everybody who's developing in TM, so writing its own determinations, actions, validations, queries, uh, etc., and, and what to consider. So basically consultants, which typically develop, and or yeah, developers, uh, which are only uh, developing. So that means we will mainly focus on BOF-related Exactly, about, yeah, it's really about how to code efficient in in TM or BOPF context, and as TM is based on BOPF, that's everything we say. It's true for TM, but any <coughs> BOPF-based application should follow the same <laughs> patterns. Yeah, I think that's uh, the audience for today. So if you don't know what a retrieve is or so, so goodbye for today. Uh, <laughs> we come back next time then with uh, another <laughs> episode for you, maybe. Um, and, of course, before leaving, maybe... Sign on for the next BC400 and then TM technical training that you then can listen to that episode. So how come that you think such a um, episode is required? Is it? Think. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. One reason why we had a longer break now in not having uh, the TM podcast was that we uh, <coughs> currently working in some performance task force where we optimize our coding and we can share what we learned there and also look into and see custom coding a lot from, from different developers which develop in TM context and see things that we don't like to see and try to avoid for the future. And mainly we don't like to see them because they have very bad performance impacts. So you can slow down TM significantly if you do not follow some rules and then to avoid that for the future and uh, also for uh, for now maybe whoever's listening and coding currently we want to share some of the findings yeah okay. that we have more time for tm podcasts in the future and less uh, spending time in performance task force i think in general it's quite important that we in tm as Bernd already mentioned we we work with bob so we have bob as framework and BOPF is not only a helpful tool for uh, development, developing stuff, but also there are some pitfalls where you can just uh, fall into performance issues if you don't follow the actual guidance, uh, which are which are relevant for BOPF. 
Which we did select with TM6. <laughs> yeah, for example. And there are no. quite a few scenarios probably which really process mass data. Actually. Yeah, I mean, we have yeah, all kind of customers, and maybe yeah, that's also a good point. So we have customers which process 100,000 uh, forwarding orders uh, per hour. We have customers which have 1,000 freight orders planned in parallel. We have other customers which have one freight order with 2,000 or 3,000 or even several thousand items in it. And, and everything, of course, has different performance impacts, but still everything you can, if, if you follow the rules that we will uh, share, I think that works for all scenarios. Well, that is something that you have to consider in all scenarios. Maybe it's not enough and you have to do special things. But uh, yeah, you will see or we see, and then I think everybody's working with TM, will see scenarios with bigger amount of data. And um, yeah, that's why I think it's so important to follow some simple, it's basically simple rules, right? I mean, there's, yeah. So okay, let's start with that. Let's start with that. What's your first recommendation? Yeah, I mean, uh, one thing that is very important and, and hard to change uh, afterwards, and that's why maybe let's start with that one, is if you create a custom determination, uh, so you have your own field, you want to determine that field value based on some attributes or so, so you have a custom determination. Um, one rule you should follow is if you have one node, let's say the root node, and you have one point in time, after modify, after create, delete, same most important ones, um, you should have one determination. So it's not a good idea to have one determination for determining field A and another determination for determining field B, etc. So one point in time, so after modify, for example, one node, stop, root, whatever, if it's a tour, same of course for, for TRQ, you should have one determination. And then within that determination, you should follow, uh, then you can distinguish the different cases and then fields that you want to, to fill. I think the question is, why is this so wide? Yeah, no. I think, so from a Bob perspective, I think the, the a very critical thing is, um, Bob has to determine if a determination has to be triggered or not. And that's done based on the changes. And evalu evaluating the changes of a certain modification um, to check if a certain determination has to be triggered or not is quite performance, performance intensive. And that's the first thing. The other thing is within your implementation, often you have to read the same data within different determinations. So for example, you have a determination which is only checking if field A is changed and doing something and you have another determination which is checking if field B is changed and so on. You have to read, for example, the root node in both determinations. And that's again, quite uh, performance intense. So uh, just create one determination, read the data, evaluate the changes within that determination and do the follow-up uh, processing within that one determination coding. Exactly. Now that's point so, one. And it, because that is hard to change later. If you start with one determination, then you have a second one, third one, whatever, and then later you have to merge them. That's ugly uh, to achieve. So you should consider that from the very start. And there's one very important thing here. How do you get the changes actually? So if you say, okay, I have only one determination for let's say a time point after modify. Um, how do you, how do you recognize which field is actually changed? Um, there's one very famous, uh, Bob functionality, which is the so-called compare statement where you can compare the current state of the buffer compared to the 
database state or actually the before modified state. And with that method call, so to say, you can get the changes. Unfortunately, that method has a specific parameter which says fill attributes. And you should never use that fill attributes uh, statement if you work with that or to get the field changes within a determination, because this is from a performance perspective really quite intense. So you should not use that to get the changed information within a determination. You should rather retrieve the current image. You should retrieve the before image and compare the different states um, or, and check if your specific field has been changed. So manually. <laughs> so we okay. say yeah, yeah. more or less manually, <laughs> but actually it's really just one one loop. You read maybe the before image and then you can compare the field. So it's mm. from a performance perspective much better than using the compare with the fill, uh, fill attributes or something. And that okay. I think leads to the second uh, um, issue or thing that we often see. And that is, of course, you, you create, create a determination. It's very cool. You, you like it. You want to let it run as often as possible. I fully understand that. But from perform, performance perspective, it's maybe not so cool. So the first thing that you should check in your determination is one, as Patrick said, is the change that I see relevant. So only if a certain field has changed, uh, then my determination should run. And maybe even more important is that the document that, that is relevant for, for my uh, problem. So let's say if, um, I mean, as you know, based on two, what was the TRQ, uh, TMP02, also Tor overview, for example, we have the same technical object Tor for freight units, transportation units now with uh, 91, um, the uh, freight order and booking. So most likely your determination is not relevant for, for everything. And besides that, if you have a certain scenario or en enhancement, which is only relevant, say, for export handling or so, then you should check if your document is at all relevant for that and now relevant. So quite often we see that the same determination runs like within one that well, determination validation cycle quite often. And maybe that's also important. So uh, it can and will happen that within one, let's say, end user action, so you do one drag and drop, then you can have multiple cycles of determinations and validations. So in that example, the first determin or first modification, and with that then also determination is a modification of the freight unit stops. That then triggers the update of the follow-up documents, which then creates the item. So you will, within one user transaction, the root after modify, for example, may be hit several times. And that makes it even more important to check, does my coding need to run now and the default should be no it shouldn't so identify the cases where your coding should run in both i mean from a very high level perspective is it relevant for freight units or for bookings um, and then also on a more detailed one is the change that i see relevant and then also hmm? is there already two main recommendations yeah. let's repeat shortly yeah. for one BO node and one point in time only one determination. Yep. And second, check whether the determination should run at all. Or and which part of the determination yeah. then? I, th mm -hmm. I think it wasn't maybe very clear once we started. So again, maybe the point in time, it means after modify and you have different triggers for during that after modify and a trigger could be update or create or even delete. So you still should have for update, create and delete, you should only have one determination. 
which is registered for the point in time after modify. And then there is another one maybe for before, uh, before save, save finalizes. I think it's the Doesn't the standard the follow this recommendation already? Mostly, yes. So, so that means per BO node and point in time, there is already a determination. That's another so point. Does this mean for yep. the enhancement that this determination should be enhanced or should there be an additional determination? Well, that's a good point. Of course, that's a very valid uh, thing. Instead of writing your own determination, you can also think about check the existing determinations and enhance them because uh, if you do a, like a post exit or enhancement at the end, um, you, you will already um, be able to use the data which um, has been read within the determination. That, that's a good point. So that would be another, maybe yeah, maybe even better step. But if you do your own determination for whatever reason, then make sure it's only one for one point in time after modify, which includes yeah, create, delete, and um, um, modify <laughs> itself also. Yeah, it's a bit confusing. It's called after modify, but after modify means immediately after the change. And then you have before save, uh, before drawing numbers, the different points in time. But mostly in most cases after modify, if you need it immediately. Before save, yeah, it's only for finalizing thing that you want to do at save. Maybe one general remark um, for custom specific determinations. It's important to know that those determinations are executed after all standard determinations, which are registered at a specific point in time. So for example, if you want to change the, let's say the data before the actual standard, for example, after modify determination kicks in because you want to manipulate any standard fields, it might be better to use a enhancement to the standard determination if it's completely independent uh, from standard fields. It might be better to have your own determination, but I think this is case by case. You have to decide which is the better decision here. But the sequence is ensured by Bob. Yes. Yeah, that's. We are always first. <laughs> Yeah, the, uh, the maybe the other thing, if you then have that one determination where you check the relevance, if you see, okay, I have now two steps that I want to do within the determination, then um, you should uh, retrieve the data at the beginning once. So let's say you have a item uh, determination, then you would uh, read the item data and so maybe the before image that's, for example, relevant for comparing the change and then identifying what needs to be done. And then additionally, you need like the root data or some customizing data. Yeah. And in that case, you should pre-read that data. Yeah? It maybe leads us to the second uh, issue then, but um, yeah, pre-read the data at the beginning. You, For example, if you inherit from the standard determination classes, most of them already have like a get data where you then can work with requested attributes, uh, etc. So or you might do it yourself, uh, but do it once at the beginning and use it then in all the actual steps. Because even so, it comes from, okay, it could come from the buffer. <laughs> we come maybe uh, to that later, but even if it comes from buffer, reading the data later again and again, you will see that in the traces. It's, and it's hard to remove because every single retrieve is then, or reading the data is, is not that long, but it adds up to hundreds and thousands of those. And then it, become slow and, and one very f okay sorry. Uh, reading it once means explicitly don't read it inside a loop and yeah, in your own method maybe. if you have a statement loop and loop and in between 
retrieved, then this is a bad not, sign. Not only within a loop, I would rather say you should only read the items once, so which means if you have, for example, after modify determination, um, which is triggered for the item node, um, and you have maybe several methods within that determination class and each method do uh, does different things, uh, you should read once the items and pass it to the methods instead of uh, reading it within the method itself. Okay, this would so be an overhead not, with a yeah. constant factor, but yeah. Exactly. Of course, yeah. yeah. And Even that should good, be avoided, yes. Good yeah. pattern, so you read all your item data, you pass them through the different methods, and what you also should do is uh, just change that tables, yeah, that, that you change uh, your the item data, add your fields, change the fields, then go to the next step, do the other changes, and then at the very end of the determination, do the update to the BOPF buffer once, instead of doing within the methods, because then uh, yeah, you wouldn't know which state you are actually working on, so the, your local tables would be different from what is in the buffer, and, and that's not good. So pattern for your determination, or even action, that's the same thing. You read all the data at the beginning, perform your steps, then you have your result table, the item table in our example here, and then there's a mod helper you may use, uh, I think it's SCMTMS, CL underscore mod underscore helper, and then um, <coughs> mod update multi, right, where you just pass your table in, the table name, and the uh, node name actually, uh, or the sorry, node key, node key, uh, BO key, and, and that stuff, and then you get the LT mod back, and then you call a modify once with with that okay. table. The same is also available for create, by the way, and for delete. And you don't mix up things because that's a, okay. That's not a performance thing, but actual thing. Often we see wrong coding where within the loop you do because that LT mod table that has a ref to data in it, and people tend to understand that wrong. So we often or several times see uh, situations where you loop over the data. You then write into LTMod with a reference, and then um, if you do that in the loop in a wrong way, uh, you, all the <clears throat> data will get the last, uh, all the nodes will get the data from the last uh, loop because they're all pointing to the same reference. But it's more functional than a performance uh, issue. Maybe it's even faster, than, but, <laughs> but it's, <laughs> it's, it's wrong. Uh, so you should use this mod helper to fill the data. It also makes the coding, coding easier to read, which already considers everything, and then do one modify at the end. So now you already mentioned retrieve and modify. I guess this is relevant probably for... Yeah, so within within a loop, we even have a specific check for, for standard for that. Um, retrieve or any BOP inter BOPF interaction, retrieve, action call, modification even, not so, uh, uh, within the loop is not good. You should... Loop over your data. In the loop is, I think the worst. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. Query or select in the loop is, yeah, yeah, is, yeah that's the worst one, yeah. And uh, like also the retrieve in the loop, I somewhere read something like, yeah, it's not so bad because it comes from the buffer. You, you would never know. I mean, you, you're in the loop, you do a retrieve, and if the buffer have has the entry for that node instance, it comes from the buffer. If not, it goes to the database, and, and you as a caller would never know if it's already in a buffer or not. So, and there's no reason to do that. You often see that retrieve a loop, then read table index one, and you already know that's wrong. If you see a read table index one, you, without <laughs> further thinking, in the first place, it's wrong. There might be some exceptions, but not typically what we see. So you must handle your data. And also hurts if it's like a funny a sentence once. Yeah, we also had some coding where which was not mass enabled, uh, it even made a return within the loop then. 
And we heard on things like, yeah, that's not called for many instances of determination. And I mean, there is no way that you would define for how many instances of determination is called. As Patrick mentioned, if I have a certain node and it has been changed, the determination is called for all the nodes. So if I have 10 stops, and that includes thread units, thread order, stops all of them together in a random sequence, um, then you will get a call in the determination for all the 10 stops. There's no way of only calling it for the freight unit stop or so in the first place. It will be called, and then you have to handle it within the determination. So everything must be mass-enabled. Otherwise, and, yeah, it may work in your test scenario, but you never know. That can have all kind of funny uh, effects. Especially, especially, of course, currently, we, we especially in the, let's say, LSP world, maybe where you work with forwarding orders or so on, and you have, uh, for example, exactly one forwarding order loaded in the UI, and you of course, create your own determination for the forwarding order route. It's very often that only one key is passed to that determination because there is only one forwarding order loaded. But we have uh, some updates from, let's say, planning status from, from one freight order to different uh, forwarding orders, and then the determination would be called for many forwarding orders. So you must never rely on the fact that there might be or that, that there is more only one key passed to that or determination. POWL uh, updates yeah. or so there is of course there are cases that there's only one entry, but there will always be another case. And then to to find that I mean that's not the performance issue as such, but uh, to find that kind of problems uh, is of course very hard and it uh, have, can have funny effects as I said and very unfunny effects as well. So maybe more of the unfunny effects. So that's if you have something above, always think of it as a mass okay. call. And pre-read the data, not do nothing in the loop except for working on, on the data. And even if also if you call helper classes, you should always check if it's possible to pass already the data that you read into the helper classes, like the stage helper, because the stage items. If you already have the data, pass it to the helper. And if you create your own helpers, from my perspective, yeah. it's also very important that you define a clear interface for those um, methods because you don't know exactly who will call your method. So if you, for example, use a service manager or whatever functionality to retrieve the data within your helper method, it might always happen that someone is calling your helper method within a loop and then you have the same issue, even you, your code, code is actually mass enabled. So actually define the data which you, which you require for your, your, your functionality within your helper method directly in the signature of that method and then everybody knows how to call that method. Sometimes you see coding where then in the loop you, people will build up a local table uh, with, with that one entry, pass it then to a mass enabled uh, helper class and then read index one. So you even have more work uh, in, in, in that case. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. Maybe talking about reading uh, data, there uh, was also can make uh, quite some quite a difference is how, how, which interface uh, to, to read, to use to read the data. So basically you have two options. Um, IO read, which is the internal interface, which bypasses, um, internal oh, means internal, Bob internal. It's not SAP internal, it's Bob internal. So if, if you are in a determination, it's yours. So you can use it to, to read the data. Because what you often, what we partially often see is that within the determination where you have the IO read, still the service manager interface is uh, instantiated for the same, for that same BO. And, and then you read and, uh, unnecessary steps are performed because there's a certain plug-in level, uh, that is additionally performed. And typically there is no point in having, for example, an authorization check 
when calling from within the um, determination and read the data. It can even have bad effects for you. So best case, uh, it's only slower. Worst case, you have uh, strange results because you don't get, for example, all the data. And you already back. have it as an importing parameter. Yeah, so yes, no I read that. To use it. It's always there. There's no yeah. point in not using it. Yeah. Of course, if you are in a report or something, then you don't have it. But as soon as you're in an action, determination, validation, you should use uh, IOREAD as a basic pattern. But interface is very much the same. I think the only difference is that in the one it's IV node and the other one node key, IV node key. So that's the only difference. Except for that, the interface is even the same, but it's faster. For the retrieves? Or for retrieves, yes. Yeah and retrieves by association. Of course, that only works for the same BO. So if you're in a forwarding or tier, technically TRQ, then you can read all the TRQ data with that, uh, with IOREAD, but not uh, the, for example, TOR data of the assigned freight units. Huh? It's only within one freight unit. But actually the same is with a service manager. You, if you instantiate a service manager for a certain BO, you can only retrieve yeah. that certain BO. There's one exam, um, <laughs> There's one difference, I yep. would say. It's if you read a cross-BO association with a service manager. So if you have a service, ma service manager for the TRQ, for example, and you do a retrieve by association to the, with the association TOR root, you will get the data back. If you follow the same association with the IO read, which is, um, which ref refers more or less the, the BO TRQ, you will only get the keys back. So that's the only difference. So with a service manager, cross-BO association, you will directly get the data. With an cross BO association with an IO read, you only get the keys back. But technically, the in interesting thing is that it's more or less an enhancement or extension to the service manager. So technically, um, Bob is just instantiating the service manager for the target BO in that case and just retrieving the data again. So it's just a shortcut, so to say. And maybe one more point when, when talking about retrieve by association specifically. Sometimes it may also make sense to read only um, the keys, so just to check the existence, for example. So if you don't need the actual data of the, let's say, a predecessor document, but you just need to know does a predecessor ex uh, document exist or not, you can still uh, use that association and uh, uncheck that fill data and only retrieve or get the keys back. Even that is faster than if you don't need the data, you can adjust existence is, is relevant. Um, yeah, that's one way to do that because the data transfer of course also so i mean the retrieve method has quite a few parameters so mm. it might be useful to think about yeah every parameter before yeah but the yeah, most important what makes a difference is that uh, fill data <coughs> or not of, yeah that determines if it fills data or not yeah. and the before i'm sure that's a <coughs> topic in its own it's not performance relevant Just to make it very short, the before image is different depending on when the, your determination runs. If it's in a validation or <clears throat> in a determination, there's a matrix, I think, somewhere in the Bob doku. You can find what does a before image mean. It's not only the data, it's mostly never, or only in some cases, a database image. It's really the state before the determination. For example, no? so, yeah, I think this mm. is a very, very important point mm. here. Um, what we do in, in standard quite often is um, that we call actions from from a determination. So, for example, mm. you have a activity which is which is um, 
So we, we location has been changed. So we have to redetermine the distance and duration. So we, but there might be other scenarios where we have to uh, execute the distance duration determination as well. So what we did is just um, create an action for that to call the distance duration determination, and that action will be called from the determination directly. Um, the diff the big difference is regarding that before image in the determination the before image is really the state of the bob buffer right before the determination if you yeah before image and the current image is yeah the current um, changed state so to say if you now call the action the before image will switch to the database state again so it, it is you cannot rely anymore in an action which is even called from a determination that it has the same data in the before image so this is quite important to know um, I would not rely on the before image within a determination uh, within an action. Remember, that's a good point. Maybe it's also something you can consider in your coding. That why do we call that action? I mean, that distance duration determination is a very good example. So when do we need to redetermine the distances and duration? That is, for example, of course, if the location changes. But it's also and that is defined in the stop. Then it, the same is true if this stop sequence changes. So if I go ABC. And I change it to ACB, then the stops are still the same, but the stop sequence changes. So the next trigger for that uh, redetermination is the uh, stop successor change. And the last one, if I change the resource, with that the means of transport, um, I have also to redetermine the distance and duration assets, means of transport dependent. So you have three different nodes that would require the um, distance duration determination to run. Now, you could, of course, call that distance duration determination from every single determination. But what would happen if I uh, create, for example, a, a new freight order, then I have an update on the stop, on the stop successor and on, on the item. And so it would run three times. That's why we have that yeah, general concept <coughs> where we have, which is basically it's, uh, it's helpful if you have different trigger nodes, which all should lead to the same reaction. So what we do then is like distance duration determination. We have one action for the distance duration determination. And within the different trigger nodes, <coughs> stop, stop successor item in that example, um, we recognize that situation and we call a helper. You can find that in the different uh, um, standard determinations. Um, it's always classes SCMTMS, CL, TOR, underscore D, underscore general, so general determination. And uh, it has a helper class where you can register a certain action. So that makes, yeah, again, sense if, if you have different triggers, but the reaction is always the same. And it doesn't depend on the before image, really. The before image is checked in the determination then. What needs to be done is in the action. Yeah. So and then the, the actions are collected. And yeah, the so actions say, are collected. And at exactly. the end, they are processed only once. once. Okay. Exactly. So we compare, do we have for that action and that instance? So it can be different thread orders, for example. And for that buffer variant, that's also important. Maybe that's, uh, yeah. Um, do we have um, that uh, trigger already? And if, if not, we, we add it. And if yes, then um, we just skip it and we, we keep, we already know that it would already run. And maybe that buffer variant thing, it's more functional thing, but um, just want to mention it here. For, for things like the transportation proposal, yeah? where you have different versions of the same, for example, freight unit. You call the transportation proposal, and you have two different versions of the same freight unit, one with a direct routing and one with two stages. 
The technical way we um, do that is with so-called buffer variants. So basically, we exchange the buffer um, instances between the different uh, yeah, buffer variants. What does it mean for you? If you now have a determination, you should never use any like statics tables or so and think, okay, I already processed that key or something because it will be reprocessed for that second buffer variant and the same node key. Yeah. So you have two times the same node key. So that maybe it's important more functional than a performance thing, but uh, yeah, that's important to note. So you shouldn't store any keys or data in your own attribute uh, tables uh, or so, or static tables. Even. Because you can really, the same instance can be processed in the context of optimizer, but even in drag and drop uh, within different buffer variants. And then you would have the same key could have very different, um, for example, stops in, in different buffer variants. Not a performance, they are functional. Okay. Good. <laughs> Quite a lot of recommendations related to handling and whoops. Do we have other recommendations? I mean, one more thing so in general uh, for loops, maybe, and, and, and how to do loops. I think it's the next on our list, right? Yeah. Is it? Yeah. I mean, we did some measurements. So typically, classically, you have the loop into work area. So loop at each LT item into VR item. What happens here is that the data of LT item is then copied into VR item. And as the item table, for example, is pretty wide, uh, yeah, that takes some time. And uh, so the general recommendation is to use either ref to data, reference into data, or even better, a bit faster always, field symbols uh, for, for loops and reads. We did some measurements with some test reports, and already with only a key table, it's same same, same. So work area is never fast. I think in the past there was some kind of very basic rule, like if it's wider than one key. So, but from our measurements, what we've seen with some test reports that a loop into work area or fields or work loop into or assigning field symbol is always at least same fast or faster. And it's up to, I think, three times faster. If you have a wider structure um, compared to loop into work area, and there's no point in so there's that means there's no point in using okay. work areas. I think ref to data and and uh, field symbol is roughly the same. I think with slight advantages of field symbol, but that's more like one two percent or so, so not that significant. But the difference to work areas is uh, yeah significant. My second is uh, table keys. Maybe Patrick, could you? That's something on usage of table keys. So in general, um, usually our, let's say, BOPF-related tables, so the node tables, the so-called combined data structure tables, uh, usually have a primary key, and those um, tables are sorted by key. So if you access, of course, those tables, you will always use that. Uh, so if you access the table with a primary key or with a key, then you, you always have a quite fast access to those um, tables. But unfortunately, sometimes you don't, you cannot access those tables with a primary key because you don't know the key exactly which you want to select on, the, on those tables. For example, you want to find, you have a table with items and you want to find every item which has um, a certain vehicle in. And then you, you have to access the vehicle underscore key field, for example. And of course, you first have to check if there is a so-called secondary key. 
on that field. And then if the secondary key is available, you should use the secondary key. And if, of course, that so-called secondary key is kind of lazy. So if you don't access it, it is not maintained within the ABAP. Um, but if you access it the first time, the key is, let's say, internally generated. And afterwards, you have a quite fast access to that to that field. Um, so in a nutshell, again, if you access a table not with a primary key, you should always check the table type if there is a secondary key available. And if yes, you should specify that secondary key. Okay, this is case for internal tables? Yes. Um, and maybe even if, if you add your own field or so and you have a an intense loop, you can also add your own um, secondary keys as an enhancement to that table. And you should. Okay. I mean, if it's you, you don't see it in small scenarios, but then if you have 10,000 items uh, within one uh, processing block, it makes a huge difference. It's like factor, uh, I don't know, like a thousand or so yeah. faster using um, that key. For you cannot actually you cannot decide beforehand if you should use the secondary key or not. So there are may or there might be some circumstances where you should not use the secondary key. But for example, if you access a, a table in a loop with that, then you should always use or you should try to use the secondary key. If you, for example, loop only once at one table to filter out some items, it might not be the best idea to first or to to loop at the table using the secondary key because, as I said, that secondary key is lazy. So that means it is first generated if you access the table the first time. And that but the advantage in the loop, I think, is if like if you loop at the item table, if you loop at that item table using key, even just within the loop using key root key, um, it's easier for you that you can, for example, pre-read the root data because then it will process root key by root key. So otherwise, the, the, the sequence of items is random. So you can have first uh, an item from, at least you should consider it random. Uh, you can have an item of root node one, and then you have an item of root node two, and then you have another item of root node one again. So you, you wouldn't know. And if you use that uh, root key, you would know, okay, first item one is processed. So then you can pre-read data from the root, for example, and only at the change of the root node, then you would switch it. Be careful. Be very careful with that at new uh, uh, thing that only works if it's the very left. Uh, so you should basically check uh, with LV root key not equal uh, structure root key kind of thing um, or another because that uh, at new I think is has only works if the very left. Yes. Uh, yeah. Field is uh, considered which is part. Yeah. Left part, but like the root key is not the left if part. If in doubt, read the ABAP documentation. This yeah. is probably the best documentation that's available in your system. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And for yeah, for reads for delete, it depends really if it already exists or not. So for but for read and for then it always makes sense if you read the data. Okay. Okay. The so much to. Yeah, maybe one other thing uh, about coding. Just something I, I found out. If you have the option to, if you like create data with ref to data, something interesting. If you create that data with a, yeah, with a type already, just create data, LR item type as MTMS as store item TR. Uh, that is faster than compared to create item or create uh, LR item type ref2 and then in brackets uh, the name of the field. It's 50% uh, uh, slower if you do it generically. So if you can create that uh, explicitly with a type, it's faster. 
you don't always have that option or otherwise but yeah that's it's not that huge but if you have the option it's faster yeah one more thing maybe one last thing that's only true for uh, i don't know for nine oh for messages sometimes um if you throw your own messages within determinations validation yeah you should use the message helper to fill the message of course and if you do that um, there's uh, our message um, filtering concept. So basically to avoid unnecessary messages to the user, we, for example, um, wouldn't use um, or wouldn't show info messages. Yeah? And uh, of course, to create that message, you also need some data and you would read, convert keys into IDs, etc. So now it's a bit of a newer note. There's a, in the message helper, there's a new method where you can pre-check if your warning message would be displayed at all or not. And only at least if you have to read some data for that message, you should pre-check if, if, if it's relevant at all or would be shown to the user or not, and only then prepare that message. I think that's a small thing, needs some notes uh, recently released, but yeah, still can show up significantly in the trace. Okay, any other recommendations? I mean, you can't have a performance session without database access. So, yeah. Anything yeah. you have yeah, to I keep think in mind for this? It's maybe again the, the important thing that if you access the buffer, you, you're never sure if the buffer is already filled. So, it means if you do a single retrieve on the pop buffer, that might mean, or that could have, could result in one single select to the database. Mm -hmm. uh, so, always do a mass retrieve to the buffer, which means then a mass select on the database. And by the way, that's always true for uh, convert alternative keys. So, it always checks on the database additionally to the buffer. So, that's uh, depending on the key. So, if, if to find out if there's something new on the database which was not yet uh, in the buffer. And of course, once we, the, if you do a retrieve, the key is already known. And, um, if the buffer is not filled with those keys, of course, we do a select on the database exactly with those keys. And we have an index on, on the key field so that the general data access is relatively fast or cannot be faster, actually. Um, um, the question is now what happens if you do a, a select on a, let's say, field which is not the primary key, which is not the key of the table itself. So, for example, we, we have a POWL and you um, always do the query based on, let's say, means of transport. So, freight order query, for example. And usually, we, we for the most popular fields within our data structures, we provide indices for those fields um, in standard as well. But nevertheless, for example, you have a specific field which is already selected in your queries, or you have uh, Z fields which are added, then you should always consider, do I select on those fields quite often? And if yes, uh, you should create your own database index for those fields or for the, let's say, the combination of fields which is usually used in your selection. So basically, it even so, it's pop, it's no magic. So in the end, there will be a select on a database and everything you learned uh, about that select is still true. So maybe just as a hint, so what you can do is then set a breakpoint at statement SQL, if you don't know exactly which query um, that is. And then you will see that final, that select uh, to the database. And then you can just yeah apply what you learned uh, about SQL. So what is it? Do they need a secondary key? Can I optimize that? Um, Etc. So it's still true. And there's one specific thing. Maybe I want to mention that one. 
I mean, Bob does a lot of, uh, for Retrieve Association and also for Retrieve, um, does a lot of uh, queries kind of for all entries in kind of query. And if you're in the unlucky situation to run an Oracle database, um, then there's a very specific behavior. I think uh, per default, the the block size, so the number of table entries that are passed to, to the database is something like five. So if you run a Retrieve for a thousand root nodes or, or items, it goes 200 times to the database. The, and we played around with that. And what we found now is um, if you go up to, I think, 50 as, as a block size, it, it becomes significantly faster. And then I think up to 100, it's still the same. So there's a user parameter, not user parameter, there's a database parameter where you define that block size, um, which is sent to the database. And for us, I think it saved like in a certain scenario, one second uh, in that scenario, just by changing that parameter to a higher value. Because the default is like three or five, very, very low. It says that if we make it too high, that it confuses the uh, statistics of the database or something. But at least what we found is if the block size is like 50, 100, that dimension, then it becomes significantly faster. Because you see a lot of for all entries in in above context for retrieve by association. Yeah. Okay. So that means you, you also have to um, do some trial and error in your yeah or traces uh, maybe yeah yeah, yeah. and trace maybe let's did we say all last maybe one thing about tracing I think that's a bit hard to explain so it's still of course the classical ST so five tracing is valid here for the queries to see if that is um, correct or not and also it, it's very helpful to to run a trace. SAT trace or SE30 trace, but better the SAT trace. And what what we've learned, uh, it's very helpful, is if you run a trace, do it non-aggregated, even though it's bigger than, because then you can use that, um, what's it called, show block, um, block mode, or where you kind of see the nesting. Yeah? You have a very nice... Below or something. Yeah, you, yeah that, that's another... Yeah, you can... Um, you can see all the methods called in which sequence by whom, and that typically should already ring a bell that you say, okay, why is my determination, for example, running five times? Yeah, you do one drag and drop, you trace it, and then you see five times your determination runs, and every time it takes like a tenth of a, of a second. That's already half a second then. Mm. And typically it should only run once. So that is a very nice way to, to see what uh, went wrong here. You can also activate it in both, but let's say in the SAT trace, I think it's a good starting point. Just trace it. And, and first thing, what we said, check does what happened in that sequence doesn't make sense to you. Yeah. And then of course you can do that as a retable optimized classical kind of things. But, uh, the biggest wins are always from our experience. Okay. I don't need that step here. So I can everything what happens within, I could optimize or. Better, I can skip that step here because it's not required. It doesn't make sense here. I think that is a very important exercise. Specifically, if a lot of different developers working, enhancing the BO, the chance that unnecessary stuff is running, except for you considered rule number two, yeah, always uh, is very high. Yeah. So that, that is always a good double check. And of course, testing with realistic scenarios in terms of number of items, whatever you will see later. Then that it I mean, shouldn't should have realistic data in your at least test system, if not in the development system. Yeah. yeah. I mean, best idea is 
to copy the productive data once in a while. And run the, yeah, develop on that one. Yeah. And test and, and do some traces also. Then. Yeah. Because they're always quick wins, always. Yeah, that's it. Do it if we have something more on our list. General or to a specific Anything topic? performance related. So I think related. we, we wanted maybe one sentence about the modify. Um, what we already mentioned is that you should not use, uh, let's say, a modi or a general, the POP interface methods within a loop. You should always do it kind of mass processing um, way. Especially a certain topic is the modify with so-called changed fields. Mm. Um, the changed fields in general define which fields will be updated by a certain modification within the buff buffer. So if you don't want to update the whole buffer, the whole entry in the buffer for one specific node instance, you can define the so-called changed fields. So for example, you have uh, you want to update, let's say, the means of transport in the item. You can um, provide the new means of transport and you can say in the, within the changed fields that only the means of transport is changed and then Bob will only update the buffer or the mode of uh, the means of transport uh, for that specific entry in the buffer with the with the entry which we provided in your modification table. Um, the changed fields from my perspective only make sense if you don't know the actual buffer state. So for example, you have a generic determination or a generic functionality in general, which is updating the data, let's say one certain field, and you don't want to read the data beforehand, but you just want to, let's say, update the buffer with a specific value, you can provide the changed fields exactly for that uh, specific attribute. That is one reason why you should change, uh, why you should use changed fields. For example, where we use it in, um, in standard is the so-called, um, admin data determination. The admin data determination is a generic determination which is executed for almost all the BOs which we have. And we don't implement that specific determination for all objects um, again, but we have one generic one which is just which, which is just defining the changed fields and that determination doesn't have to retrieve the data before the actual, the actual update happens. And um, actually that's the only, or do we have another um, Reason yeah, why we should use it? No, it's only then. Uh, um, because what technically happens? Maybe, maybe. Mm. Why shouldn't you use it? Technically, Bob will use, um, as I said, will only update the fields which are def defined in the changed fields table. And technically, what's happening is that Bob will loop at the changed fields table, do a assign component of the Bob structure, assign component of the modification structure, and moving the data very generically. Otherwise, it would just do a modi uh, move corresponding. There might be situations where it could make sense. Um, technically, our BOPF uh, models for tier Q and Tor will not consider so-called properties. So you can define within the properties if a specific attribute is enabled for, for writing or not. And if you try to write on an, on an attribute which is not enabled, you will get a, an error message. But as we disabled th that functionality, um, you don't have to care if a field is enabled or not because will not care or take, will not um, handle this at all and therefore you don't have to specify the changed fields it's really if you have like 10 changed fields it really it loops at the data it makes an assigned component one uh, of structure of source and of target and, and moves it and it, that i think i don't know we didn't have exact measurements but maybe with one field it might be same same but very fast uh, that that approach is becomes slower than just using the same 
just using the data, no change field and just copying the data over. Yeah. One more thing, maybe, um, that's, uh, that one specific also in Bob, that's, uh, if you're in before save, um, and you update between BOs, so let's say you save the, we, yeah, let's take one example, a real world example. Somebody, one customer, they created a new business object for sending data for whatever reason that was. I don't want to question that, but, um, or not at least not now. Um, but what happened is that BO was updating the Tor business object and the Tor business object was updating, um, the, this other BO. And uh, what happens then in, in before save, uh, if Bob sees, oops, there was an update on, on that document, then it reruns the, let's say, root before save determination. This determination again updates then the other business object, then Bob sees, oops, I have to rerun the before save determination um, of that other business object, which then again, up to, and that it's performed 100, I think up to 100 times, and then it just stops. So um, basically, do not do any cross-bo modifications in the before save determination. I think that's as simple as that. Otherwise, you will have, specifically if it's uh, back and forth, uh, you, you can easily have endless loops. I think this, and it's uh, not even endless. It's it, it's a hundred times. So then it depends on the uh, processing time. You may survive it if it's a play data, and in production it then explodes because everything is more complex, more data, and then the one hundred time ping pong uh, is the timeout. Yeah. So that's a. So of course the the important thing is that you have only let's say in one direction those updates because even in standard we have the the updates of one business object during save of a certain business object. So mm. For example, if you update a TRQ, the change to the freight unit is usually propagated um, during the finalized um, or the, the finalized determinations of the TRQ. So we have modifies to the TOR um, during the finaliz finalization of the TRQ. But afterwards, the TOR is finalized and you will not see any updates, hopefully, um, any updates from the Tor to the TRQ again, because that would be again that, that, uh, how it's called, I don't know, endless Wrong. loop. <laughs> Technically, it <laughs> will be a kind of, it's a kind of, thing. yeah, it depends, yeah. yeah, yeah. But, uh, it's very, not very nice. Yeah. Exactly. And maybe one last thing for UI, but maybe we can make another session about UI specifically, struggles, but one thing is also think about, um, not only adding fields to the UI, but also removing fields from the UI. So fields that you don't need. Um, you should think about removing them also from the UI structures, but speci because specifically for tables, um, you can, um, or having a personalization with fewer fields to, to be more precise. Of course, do not modify the UI structures, but using personalization with fewer fields, uh, because, uh, even the hidden fields, uh, has a negative performance impact, um, for, for the UI. And maybe one last thing. Uh, talking about the UI for the moment, consider using the latest browser since everything is um, yeah, HTML and, and JavaScript. So JavaScript performance is pretty important. And really, we are, between Internet Explorer like seven and nine, we had differences like yeah, seconds between them. So it was like two seconds faster just by using an up-to-date mm. browser. And one more thing maybe on the server last. side, the very last, last. Uh, so less in any ABAP thing, uh, the single thread performance is uh, important. So I think if we 
just now having customer where we have two different systems and just the yeah, production system has a I think a power like power seven CPU or something, uh, which way higher signal thread performance. And yeah, that, that is important for us. We do not really use, uh, or can make use of, um, a lot of cores, but we need single cores, which are fast. So that's maybe more for the hardware decision. And one really final statement. <laughs> um, you should not use the UI, let's say, to determine where a field might come from. So unfortunately, we saw it quite often that um, some custom coding uses the document flow functionality to retrieve the data, not, not the data, but to get the relationship between different Tor instances. And the relationship between oh, yeah. Tor instances is technically modeled in the business object. And you should first check the business object, how to get from one instance to another and to retrieve the data via association instead of using the document flow and maybe afterwards delete elements of the document flow and use it as, Ooh, yeah, uh, yeah, cool. as template, not as template, but as basis for your further on release. Have mercy with us. If you see that kind of thing, it burns in our eyes. It really hurts us physically. So and please. This is not only a performance issue. This is yeah, it's kind of, yeah. Exactly. And the same, do not react to changes on the UI only. We also saw that that certain UI changes trigger a certain action. That is something that needs to be done in the determination in the BO. Within one point of time determination, not, not a separate one. Coming back to point one. Good. And if you okay. consider all that, your coding is fast. Yeah. So one last question. I thought, Bernd, you posted, uh, you had a posting on LinkedIn last week or this week? Uh, last how week many, and this week there will be another with a, one with the question of how many uh, how many people could find the three mistakes done there how yeah. many answers did you get so far I mean it was only it was a challenge and Eric was the first uh, uh, and then the challenge was over so I think that there's no <laughs> yeah so that, but it was everything ah yeah maybe it was one thing which we did not mention but as we talk about not doing things in loop, it's not relevant. Of course, if you collect keys somewhere, don't forget to clean up. Uh, we also, that's a kind of a problem that you kind of, if you yeah. exactly, and, and ah, yeah, maybe that's also important. If you collect keys um, and do a retrieve to Bob, if, if you say you loop over the items, if you then collect the root keys, you will have, of course, for 10 items, you have 10 times the tam same root key. If you now do a retrieve with a table with 10 root keys to Bob, you get 10 times the root back. Yeah. So you have, you as a, as a caller have to make sure that for one root key, you only pass it once to Bob. And we have, in a, I think, SCMTML CL common helper. We have some helper classes, uh, check insert key, which makes sure to make that convenient. Or you make a sort and delete adjacent and duplicates, uh, something that doesn't really matter. But when you do the retrieve, make sure it's, uh, it, every key is there only once because Bob won't care. It will re return everything 10 times then, if you ask for it. So it's at your service. That was a very, very last statement now. Okay. <laughs> Good. Good. So, yeah. thanks a lot for listening. That was 20th episode. So. Enjoy. And now change all your coding. <laughs> Goodbye from here. <laughs>